Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. It saves you time and money so you can provide your family with a financial safety net starting today. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies, and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help you talk through it. Talk to a team of award winning agents who will walk you through the process step by step. Easily compare quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Your work life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Even worse, it may not come with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Today is November 15th, 2022, and our first story it is being reported that Russian missiles have struck Poland. Article 5 and World War 3 are now trending, but we don't know exactly what's going on. Poland has convened an emergency national security meeting, and there are fears this could escalate into something substantially worse. Maybe World War 3. In our next segment, Katie Hobbs officially wins in Arizona, defeating Kerry Lake. But it's not over. There may be lawsuits and challenges, and people are already protesting the results because election machines were failing on Election Day, favoring Democrats. In our last story, uh, it's a cultural review. Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever was so insanely racist, but it's funny because the media is saying it's too woke. If you like the show, give us a good review, leave us five stars, and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. We are getting now unconfirmed reports, depending on how you view this, that a Russian missile strike has crossed into Poland, killing two people. Poland is convening an emergency meeting, and there are some reports coming out now that uh, that, uh, fighter jets are being scrambled. I will stress immediately upon the start of this segment, it is being reported that a U.S. official is saying this. Many of you may agree we don't necessarily just trust what the government says. I certainly think so. But this is being reported in Europe. It's being reported across the U.S. I would always encourage everybody to retain a bit of skepticism when things like this happen for one simple reason, especially right now with this context. Russia was pulling out of of Kherson. Probably pronouncing that wrong. It was looking like it was going really, really bad for them. I know a lot of people were arguing for the longest time that Russia was doing really well, but they were doing fairly bad. Not bad enough. There are some reports saying Russia is not doing bad enough um, to stop the war. And so there was a fear of escalation. I have that story uh, pulled up as well. But uh, uh, it it does seem odd that Russia would pull back and then all of a sudden just start firing so many missiles that they actually hit Poland. My immediate assumption right now is that this will not result in uh, a dramatic escalation, but what do I know? What do I know? My gut says 
What will likely happen is the U.S., NATO and its allies will argue this is Russia being reckless. They've gone too far. And that's why we we need some kind of global united effort to say no to Russia and to get them to back off from Ukraine. It's a great pretext for NATO to take the high ground and say, everyone join us and we must stop this. They hit Poland now. They've gone too far. There's, of course, the possibility of Article 5 being invoked that Poland would argue that this is Russia directly attacking uh, Poland, its, its territory. I don't think that would be the case. I think uh, that's a, a bit of a stretch, to be completely honest. But, but, but again, I'm, I'm not an expert on this. I don't know. What I can tell you is that I had initially pulled up this big, long breakdown on social media censorship, politics in the U.S., FTX, this uh, Bankman-Fried guy, and the hilarious musings of Elon Musk as he fires the woke staff. And I am outraged at Russia that I was forced to close those tabs and open up war tabs, browser tabs, because I was preparing to talk about how we move forward when it comes to politics and uh, a bit of good news in terms of Elon Musk purging out these woke insa- the woke insanity from Twitter, calling out the machine and how this narrative was starting, the narrative was starting to shift. But now uh, what we have here is major breaking news that hopefully does not result in World War Three. But look, across Twitter, this is what people are saying. They're saying, oh, no, World War Three. They're saying Article five within minutes of this story dropping. Article five was trending on Twitter. So I know a lot of people would prefer it if I did not talk about this. Uh, but guys, regardless of whether or not we have direct confirmation, this is the point of breaking news. And uh, of course, when I start my segments, I'll always try to say, remain calm. It's it's only confirmed insofar as a U.S. official has stated this. And we've got reporting coming out of Poland. Hopefully it turns out to be nothing. But uh, I would be uh, not doing my job if I did not deliver news that I thought was particularly relevant. You know, I can muse about... Uh, um, Elon Musk, Democrats and all of this stuff. But I think this is particularly important. So let's let's get into this and talk about the context. Many are pointing out, I believe correctly, that Russia was, was backing down and they were not doing too well. And uh, this seems weird, to say the least. We had reporting just a few days ago about air raid sirens going going off across Ukraine, despite the fact that they were celebrating in Kherson this liberation that Russia has, has been pushed back. We now have another story about a, a strike, a, a bombing in Turkey. Turkey is accusing the U.S. The U.S. has, uh, there's an analysis from the Washington Post blaming Erdogan of Turkey for uh, negative impact, ne- negative outcomes in these NATO meetings. There's a lot to break down. And, I, and, and full disclosure, my mind has been wrapped up in domestic politics and the midterms, and I haven't been following this as much. So we're going to go through this news. And um, as this is a live breaking news segment, y'all can comment and super chat and I will read your super chats, please. Uh, this will be a crowd, uh, a crowd uh, um, journalism effort, I suppose. If you're seeing things that I'm not seeing because this news is currently breaking, absolutely post it. And I will do my best to cover that and bring this up in the greater segment as we talk about all of this. Before we get started, my friends, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member to directly support our work. Click that join us button. We had a great conversation with Dave Rubin last night and an amazing conversation with Milo Yiannopoulos last week. If you want to see those, they're the uncensored members only show. You can see them by joining us at uh, TimCast.com. Would be greatly appreciated. Don't forget to smash that like button right now. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. And um, there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, uh, conjecture, controversy conflicting reports. So uh, please, I'm reading the chat and we'll be reading this chat. And um, 
uh, super chats as well. So after I go through a bit of the breaking news, we'll uh, I'll try and give you some context and then read many of your super chats. So immediately I will say outright, while this is the official reporting, there are many skeptics who are pointing out the potential for a false flag. It's hard to assert any kind of um, alternative theory as to what's going on because we don't have any evidence. All, and, and, and even in this regard, we only have a U.S. This is the report from the Philadelphia Inquirer AP reporting a U.S. official stating that Russian missiles crossed into Poland, killing two. We do have this from Reuters. Polish premier calls urgent meeting of National Security Committee. This is a, uh, I saw that news first and I was like, wait, wait, what's going on? And also these images start popping up of what appears to be a strike. And we also have this from the New York Times. Russia launches broad missile attack on Ukraine's energy infra- infrastructure 33 minutes ago. The report was that there was over 100, I believe, missile strikes. Two of these may have strayed into Poland. So the important context, it does not appear to be Russia directly attacking Poland. But if this story is true, it would simply be that a Russian strike on Ukraine inadvertently hit Poland. Again, I don't know. I would like to just reference the Gulf of Tonkin incident where we were lied to uh, to get us to join the Vietnam War. I, I would press upon you the, er, the the importance of researching the Gulf of Tonkin incident and what we now know about it, that the U.S. is believed to have staged an, an attack on one of its vessels to justify U.S. involvement in Vietnam. Considering that, the U.S. does not get the benefit of the doubt from me, and I will not entertain any involvement in U- uh, of the United States into uh, war uh, in, in, in Eastern Europe with Russia. But I certainly believe that if uh, war were to escalate, then we could be looking at a, a World War III. Now, of course, already many people have already said we're in World War III. So take that into consideration. When we look back at history, such as World War I or II, the, 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 we, we condense the finer moments, the, the important pieces like, you know, France Ferdinand's assassination, followed by et cetera, et cetera, all these nations declaring their allegiances and alliances. It takes time. We condense history and it sounds fast. But the Civil War took years and it was decades in the making. The revolution, the revolutionary war was uh, the revolutionary period was 20 years in the United States. If something is happening and World War Three had begun already, we wouldn't know until the history books write about it 100 years later. So that being said, here's the story from the Philadelphia Inquirer. They say breaking news. A senior U.S. intelligence official says Russian missiles crossed into NATO member Poland, killing two people. Polish government spokesman Piotr Mueller did not immediately confirm the information, but said top leaders were holding an emergency meeting due to a crisis situation. Polish media reported that two people died Tuesday afternoon after a projectile struck an area where grain was drying in Pritzwodo, definitely pronounced wrong, mind you, a Polish village near the border with Ukraine. We have this news from Reuters, important context here. They report, okay, they're going to give me the business. Let me see if I can refresh this and get the reporting. Here we go. Polish prime minister, has called an urgent meeting of a committee for national security and defense affairs. The government spokesman said on uh, Twitter on Tuesday, the committee, which consists of heads of defense, interior justice and foreign affairs ministries, as well as coordinator of intelligence services, is a body that prepares and coordinates decision on national security and defense. Cabinet spokesman Piotr Muller was not immediately available for comment. His tweet did not mention what the committee was due to discuss. Russia pounded cities and energy facilities across Ukraine on Tuesday, killing at least one person and causing widespread power outages in what Kiev said was the heaviest wave of missile strikes in nearly nine months of war. Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. 
It saves you time and money so you can provide your family with a financial safety net starting today. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies, and their team of licensed experts is on hand to help you talk through it. Talk to a team of award-winning agents who will walk you through the process step-by-step. Easily compare quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Your work-life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Even worse, it may not come with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. So while we're getting these reports, Ukrainians dance in Kherson streets at the end of Russia's months-long occupation. This story, uh, just from today, we've seen these videos of people celebrating, hugging Ukrainian soldiers. Many people had expressed fear that this was not Russians retreating. Russia was not just giving up. What they were doing was preparing to clear their forces for major airstrikes, artillery strikes, and hopefully not nuclear strikes. I certainly hope that is not where this heads. But now that we've seen following the celebration and the quote unquote liberation of Kherson, it's looking now that Russia's intention was not to retreat, but to pave the way for missile strikes. But I will say there still is a net loss here for Russia, and it shows a sign of desperation. You do not occupy city streets with missile strikes. Shutting down their power is an effective way to bring the country to heal if you're trying to, to, to win a war. But having troops on the ground hold the cities and hold the resources is infinitely more important. Soldiers march on their bellies, as the saying goes, and controlling a city and its resources bolster your ability to control more territory as you move out. Having to move your ground forces out of that region is a net negative no matter what. So Russia not doing too well. But we have an assessment here. The Daily Mail writes, hell is about to freeze over. Ukrainian war will get bloodier with higher death rate through winter because nobody is losing badly enough to pursue peace. Western officials fear. I see that many people are saying false flag. They say this story is glowing. I would not be surprised if that was the case. I do not give the U.S. government the benefit of the doubt. I don't. We've seen too often the, the U.S. want to enter these wars. And the U.S. was effectively already in the Ukrainian war, providing weapons, intelligence and personnel on the ground. This may be a casus belly for the United States to formally, publicly justify why we are already operating within the borders of Ukraine. It would give them some justification for sending in NATO troops and I, I, I think uh, potentially expand this war into a direct confrontation with Vladimir Putin, try to remove him from power and ultimately, <clears throat> quote unquote, liberate the people of Russia. Vladimir Putin will not just back down and say, OK, guess I lost. 
Vladimir Putin will say, before I go, I'll try what I got. And what I got is nuclear artillery and nuclear missiles. I think it's entirely possible that Putin would would uh, choose to use a nuclear strike. Now, I'll, str- I'll say it again. I think what is likely to come of this is nothing. Look, I'm not. Uh, that, that's all I can say. I don't know. Probably wrong. Completely wrong. You know, I, I have no idea. I think that the U.S. will try to use this to their advantage publicly and internationally and not want to escalate into a a direct military confrontation between U.S. forces, NATO forces or Russian forces. That's just my assumption. Uh, But I don't know. I I can't read their minds. And for all I know, this is the justification the U.S. is looking for to expand. We've got U.S. individuals, American individuals and NATO individuals fighting in Ukraine right now. The reason Ukraine, which is, I believe it's, it's said to be the only country that got poorer after the fall of the Soviet Union, the reason they're doing so well is because it's basically a war with NATO and Russia already thinks so. The fear was not that Russia would accidentally strike Ukraine, I'm sorry, NATO, is that they, they, they were deliberately striking Ukraine. The fear was that they would justify a strike on Poland because Poland is a, is a, is a key supply line for NATO weaponry into Ukraine. And if they really want to win in the Donbass region, they need to cut the supplies of NATO uh, uh, personnel, training, weaponry to the Ukrainians. The whole Ukraine thing is a front. U.S. special operations are currently underway in Ukraine. U.S. intelligence is aiding Ukraine as Western weapons are delivered to these soldiers, many of whom are not Ukrainian. So as far as Putin is concerned, he's at war already. I'm not sure he cares about this. What we need to pay attention to is while we've already been engaged in this war, we will now see this used as an, as a, as a, as an excuse to justify a dramatic escalation with Poland convening this council. My fear is that this could eventually result in NATO forces and weaponry directly occupying Ukraine under the guise of liberation, of course, as we've seen oh so many times. And who foots the bill for NATO? Why, it's us, of course. Crazy day, my friends. We're looking at uh, later this evening, Donald Trump potentially announcing his presidential uh, run Some have argued that may not be the case, but everyone's basically saying we know Trump's going to announce he's running for president tonight. You know, I got to say now more than ever, I think, is when we need Donald Trump. And I really do mean that because under his leadership, no new wars, an escalation in drone strikes. But he was trying to get our troops out of the out of the Middle East. The Abraham Accords were once in a lifetime uh, historical peace agreements that I love. And you get all these naysayers who rag on it. Donald Trump tried to bring pre, uh, tried to bring peace to the uh, Korean Peninsula. Right now, I hope Donald Trump incorporates this into his announcement later tonight. That when he was president, Russia backed off. Why? I don't think Russia felt the existential threat. The left in this country argues that Donald Trump was poning up to Russia or, or Russia or colluding with him, and it's just nuts. Dave Chappelle gave a monologue on Saturday Night Live. It's hilarious, by the way. He's getting roasted for it, I guess, anti-Semitic or something. But in it, he said that he knows why poor white people like Donald Trump, because he came out and said all of that stuff that you think we're doing behind the scenes, we're doing it and they're never going to change it. He also said it was embarrassing being a Democrat because they kept accusing him of colluding with Russia. But now we've learned he was probably colluding with Russia. It's interesting that Dave Chappelle would say that, you know, I didn't highlight that in any of my coverage of it because it was a nonsense statement. He made an emotional point about how Donald Trump called out the machine and he was right. 
There's no evidence Donald Trump was colluding with Russia. That's insane. And even right now, him saying he was probably colluding with Russia. Why? What? Under what? Gra- on what grounds do you think that's 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 true? It's nonsense. What I see is Joe Biden wants war. Hillary Clinton wants war. The establishment machine wants war. We're seeing now people like Vosh, for instance, leftists saying, see, this shows why we got to get Putin out of there and why Ukraine needs to be sovereign and all that stuff. And here it comes. The populist left pro-war, as it were. It's funny. When I was anti-war 10 years ago, I was a leftist. When I'm anti-war now, I'm right wing. Whatever. Spare me. I do not want to see this escalate into into a major conflict. But this is what the speculation is. We've got this from express.co.uk. Putin to tip U.S. into World War Three if nuclear weapons come out at dangerous time. Vladimir Putin's Russia has conducted nuclear powered military exercises in recent weeks. It's been reported that he was trying to launch this Poseidon. Um, what is this tsunami bomb? And that it failed. There are reports that he was trying to launch nuclear weapons and he was sabotaged. Perhaps it's just Western blathering to justify our ongoing military expenditures from fortune.com. Wall Street's Dr. Doom says World War Three has already effectively begun. Yeah, 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 paywalled. But you get the point. The headline is 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 the reporting from Bloomberg. How Cold War II could turn into World War III. History shows that nothing causes fiscal and monetary instability quite like multiple big, long conflicts. And uh, now I will stress this. From Mariusz Girzuski, I am probably pronouncing your name wrong, forgive me, who is reportedly a reporter for Radio Z, has tweeted, unofficial military planes picked up from the airport near Tomasau Lubelski. So some people are now taking this to, to say that military planes are being scrambled in the wake of this strike. I can just say I certainly I certainly hope not, hope not. This is the reporting from this morning from PBS. Russian airstrikes targeting energy and other facilities rocked Ukraine from east to west Tuesday, causing broad power blackouts. A senior official warned the situation has was critical and urged Ukrainians to hang in there as neighborhoods went dark. The aerial assault, which resulted in at least one death in a residential building at the capital, Kiev, followed days of euphoria in Ukraine, sparked by one of its biggest military successes in the nearly nine-month war. The retaking last week of the southern city of Kherson. At least a dozen regions reported strikes, which caused multiple energy blackouts. Zelensky warned that more attacks may be coming, but defiantly vowed with a shake of his fist, we will survive everything. Here's a man. Zelensky, who is arguing that we should be footing the bill in the United States, that we should be supporting them. And I can only say. Now it's reported that Poland was hit and seemingly politically will have no choice. I'd like to see Congress vote to authorize any wars. They haven't really done that in a long time. What they'll argue is that under Article five, we are obligated and there is no need or ability for Congress to convene on this. We must adhere to our treaties. And that means war. War with Russia doesn't just mean war with Russia. But recently, Joe Biden met with Xi Jinping, said that uh, an invasion of Taiwan was not imminent. So we will see. This conflict, I got to tell you, man, I think the U.S. is on the verge of collapse. We reported on this a couple days ago over on uh, last week, I think, Timcast IRL, that the BRICS nations 
uh, BRICS alliance just saw 12 more nations apply to join their alliance. And if that were the case, it would comprise something like 60% of fossil fuel reserves or something like that. Maybe it was natural gas. If that happens, NATO is nothing. As NATO seeks to continually expand, it makes countries like BRICS, uh, the BRICS nations, want to expand their alliance as well. The multipolar world is here. BRICS, of course, is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And if we add many other states, potentially even Turkey, things could get really, really bad really, really fast. So I have to wonder if what's really happening in this country is that the U.S. knows this is happening since 2008 with the global financial meltdown. They said, look, we can put a Band-Aid on, on, on a bullet wound, but this thing's coming down. In March of 2020, the nine to one fractional reserve system was ended for an infinite reserve system, meaning banks can issue loans regardless of how much money they actually hold. The system can't continue. And thus, my my uh, view of this is that people like Biden, knowing the system was imploding, said, you know what, let's move our assets to China. Let's uh, prepare, steal as much fine China and silverware from the Titanic as it sinks. And then we'll uh, jump ship right before the collapse happens. I feel like with Donald Trump, he said this collapse is coming. Let's shore up our borders, protect this country, rebuild American infrastructure, bring our jobs back and make sure we are strong and can survive this. They don't like that because they fear Thucydides trap that if the United States were to actually survive the downturn, it would just mean that as the BRICS nations, Democrats investments would be at risk of a major conflict if the United States were to actually survive. Now, I don't I'm not saying any of that's true. I'm saying it's a possibility. It's a possibility that maybe Donald Trump wasn't actually following any real plan, but he was trying to reinvigorate this country. And if he did, then there is a fear that Thucydides trap does happen. While all this is going down, we have this story from The New York Times. Turkey accuses U.S. of complicity in Istanbul attack that killed six. Turkish police arrested a female suspect and accused her of entering from Syria to carry up the bombing on Kurdish orders. The U.S. is allied with a Kurdish-led militia in Syria. We also have this from the Washington Post. Analysis. Erdogan's ego trip is undermining NATO. What happens if Turkey joins BRICS? What happens if NATO is severely undermined in this regard? If Turkey joined BRICS, they control the Bosphorus. This is a small strait that connects the Mediterranean to the Black Sea. Russia would love to have them on their side. And it's possible. I don't know exactly what happens or where this goes. It could be the slow roll into World War Three. Hopefully, hopefully it's, it's, it's nothing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hopefully these things start to uh, uh, de-escalate. But I have to stress. They've only escalated. And that's and that's worrying to me. It's a, it, it's only gotten worse over the past several months, over the past year. And and several years back, I think if Donald Trump was president, I think the Democrats are wrong. The establishment is wrong. I think if Donald Trump was president, he would defend this country's borders. He would bring jobs back. He would like he did with Michigan. And uh, war would deescalate. The U.S. may lose its standing as the greatest nation on the planet, the most powerful. But I don't think most Americans are concerned with that, nor ever were. We just want to be left alone to do our own thing. There's an interesting conversation around that. If Donald Trump goes America first, defends our borders, protects this country, protects our military, expands it, makes it stronger, we will be able to defend ourselves. 
But it could mean that this world becomes severely multipolar, dangerously multipolar. It already is, to be completely honest. But China grows, invades other continents and other countries, and eventually becomes the dominant power in the planet. And then the U.S. is subjected to its whims. Some have argued that. I don't think that argument justifies why the U.S. should be engaged in war in the Middle East or try to pressure Russia or potentially start World War III. I like the idea the U.S. minds its own business. But uh, that's not been the case for the U.S. In a long, for a long time. What these Democrat establishment people and, and neocons argue is that the U.S. needs to retain its position as controller of the petrodollar with a military presence globally to prevent World War III and stop this country from getting worse. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all-time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. They argue that if we don't go after Russia, war is inevitable. Just a bunch of crazy people, I guess. But that's why I kind of feel like Either somebody has to be right or we are going to head towards some kind of very serious conflict. I think considering Donald Trump brought about more peace than we've seen in a really long time, then it's likely that uh, we would see peace. We would. And it's, we're better off that way. Vladimir Putin did not invade Ukraine. The conflict stopped. In 2014, there was very serious concern about Russia and Ukraine, Russia invading Crimea, etc. Donald Trump becomes president. It stopped. Joe Biden becomes president. Here we go again. And now, with the Democrats strong showing in the midterms, here we go again. Now it's expected that the Republicans are about to take the House by one, by, by, by one extra seat. Two seats will give them control. I don't know what that means. Because Congress doesn't declare war anyway. They just do it. But it wasn't just this Wall Street guy. It's not just the journalists. It's not just Tim Poole posting over and over again fear of World War III. It is the Pope who also said it. I don't know what y'all think. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this one. I will mention that these reports are not yet confirmed, but uh, we're seeing these, these reports hit across the board. We currently have uh, Poland trending. You can see there's our good friend Vosh saying the fact that Russia is too stupid to keep their rockets from striking Poland, a NATO country, is yet another reason why Ukrainian sovereignty is vital for world peace. Vatniks need that buffer. So uh, AP reported this. We'll see. I'll grab the latest here. Hopefully uh, we got Jack Posobiec tweeting. If this was a deliberate attack on the sovereign territory of Poland, it must be repaid in blood. Jack, yikes, bro. I get it. I do. If this was a deliberate attack on Poland, then uh, 
Article five, man. World War three. I don't know what else to tell you guys. What what, what more? How could anything else happen? World War three now trending. You see, look, people don't like when I uh, uh, put in the title or whatever. World War three or whatever. But I'm not I'm not saying these things just to make it up. It's usually because we get the Pope coming out and saying it's happening. This is a crazy thing to me. What should I say? Should I have done the Elon Musk story and said, calm down, people don't think about the the trifles of the modern world. Do not worry your cute little heads over war. Elon Musk is saying naughty words on Twitter. No, the reality is I uh, would much prefer to talk about Elon Musk mocking woke people because it was absolutely hilarious. And it's good for us in the culture war. But then this story drops. And now World War Three hashtag Jack Posobiec saying if it was an attack on Poland, blood. You know, it's funny is uh, Luke Rudkowski, our good friend, on, uh, he's, he co-hosts on Timcast IRL. He's from Poland. He is Polish. He's also American. And uh, he'd probably tell you, no war. We don't want it. So again, I'll stress. Here's what I think. And then I'll go to your, your chats and super chats. Uh, I, I don't think the response will be Article 5. It's entirely possible it will be. I don't know. But I really do think that what, what NATO will try to do is claim high ground and use this to rally other forces away from BRICS. With these 12 nations trying to apply for BRICS, the U.S. is not going to say, guys, look at this. We don't want this. We don't want war. Do not do this. Maybe. Man, I don't know. I'll say it 500 times. I don't. But let's read uh, some of your some of your super chats and comments. If there's anything I'm missing or if you have thoughts on what may be going on, super chat now. I'm going to read through these. Uh, Jonah Ryan says the bankers need to take your eyes off of FTX. That's right. I'm seeing now these reports. This was part of the Elon story I was going to be covering. They're saying that it's a conspiracy theory that Democrats were getting uh, money funneled to them through FTX. Okay, listen. Sam Bankman freed, I believe the number was $40 million, could be wrong, in ballot harvesting uh, measures and, and tons of money going towards Democrat candidates. FTX set up a crypto donation uh, thing for Ukraine. We know the dude was making money from FTX and then giving the money to Democrats. We know that he was heavily involved in Democrat uh, 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 ideological positions, climate change and Ukraine. I don't know how and where the money was coming from. But somehow this dude just got tons of money, $900 million in assets, and then was able to give lots to Democrats. So we don't know for sure. We'll see. Chris Chan says, could it be a misfire or a rogue? I believe the, the, the current assessment is a misfire that Russia was striking Ukraine, got too close to Poland and two missiles crossed over. Krobe says, I fear that Russia is prepping Ukraine for the winter to starve them of energy and warmth. And waiting for everything to freeze over for the heavy machinery, I completely agree. And I, and I said this, we talked about on IRL, that, uh, you know, Russia started this war at the end of winter, which is interesting, because Russia notoriously wins winter conflict. If they, if Russia may be saying, okay, pull our troops back, cut their supply lines, they will starve throughout the window because farming was already hurt. They, this will weaken them, and then we can move in with the machinery or in the springtime in phase two and easily march on this country. Perhaps that is why this strike is happening now. The U.S. can now justify sending in supplies, food, and troops for the winter to bolster Ukraine under the guise that they won't invoke Article 5, but they'll say, this is a, a move too far, Russia. How dare you? We're going to re-up, send in more money and more supplies. That could be the name of the game. Not Bob Saget says, I want proof it was Russia. 
Gulf of Tonkin 2.0, Ukraine, U.S. just got exposed, funneling billions of tax dollars into their pockets. And now this. I, I, I know most of you would agree with me that uh, we want proof, but I will stress we're probably not going to get it. They're not going to heed what we have to say, and they'll just do it anyway. I don't know, man. A Siri design says kind of convenient after after the elections. False flag, perhaps. Seriously. Zach Afoliak says, I hope Poland talks to Russia before any decision is made. If if we was attacked, we'd want to know NATO would help. Agreed. So we'll have to help them. But please try to sort this out diplomatically first. I do believe that will be what happens. I, I, I seriously do think so. But we'll see. We'll see. General Kale says, remember, if it ends in nuclear war, let not your heart be troubled. We voted for this and democracy won. Yikes, man. Come on. Timothy Miller says U.S. did not stage attacks in the Gulf of Tonkin. NV torpedo boats actually attacked U.S. ships. Effing study more, dude. You are capable of it. Yes. And it's been reported that one of those vessels exaggerated the stage as in staged for the press, stated uh, that we were attacked when we weren't. Look, it's contested. Sure. But come on, dude, use Google. Come, come to me and tell me we, we, we pulled up all the articles on Timcast.rl and talked about this, and it is disputed. But it is widely believed that U.S. ships were not actually attacked, but the reports went out so that they could justify U.S. involvement. Andre Tukulescu says, I just moved from Canada to Romania to escape stupid policies. COVID in the harsh winter. Cue the bad luck Brian meme. Romania is actually really great. Um, they have great, a great pizza fast food place, I might add. All right. Mass Jenna, the name being Jenna, side, very, very good name, says all the ladies here at the spa say this is a false flag distract from Trump's important announcement tonight. This announcement must be bigger than running for prez. Hopeful. Maybe if they invoke Article 5 tonight, it will absolutely overshadow Donald Trump. Weird. I mean, they want Trump, don't they? They want to use him as a weapon. Or maybe, my friends, Donald Trump did not drag the Republicans. In fact, most of his candidates won. Cernovich, I think it was Cernovich who said this, but if not for the expectations, this would have been described as a major victory, a hard fought cultural battle where the Republicans came out on top and there would be disputes. But then right beforehand, everybody comes out and says, oh, no, they failed. Yeah, OK, I don't know about that. When you log in and uh, World War Three, I love this one, the feminism leaving my body when they reinstate the draft for World War Three. Yeah, gotta love that one, man. Donkey Paradise says, Timothy, weren't you going to have the amazing atheist on? It would probably be even more uh, telling show than with Avalone, which was seriously insightful. The banality of evil was, has overtly escalated with these types. You do a great service exposing it. Yes, um, we did invite the amazing atheist on. He said he would come on. And then he said, just give me time. And then he never got back to us. It is, it is what it is. Also, uh, the guy from Eve 6. Shout out. I like Eve 6. They're a good band. And uh, he tweeted at me something about me not having principles or use, used to have principles. And then I said, come on the show, bro. We'd love to have you and, and have you talk about this stuff. And then he just ignored it. So uh, what gives, man? Seriously. It's weird. Sent the guy an email. And the one thing I'd really love to talk to, uh, uh, his name's Max Collins. I'd love to talk to him about how the industry changed from when he was in the late 90s, early 2000s with, the, with all the hits they had. And they did add a bunch. A lot of people think they didn't. They had uh, Promise, Here's to the Night. They had, um, obviously, Inside Out. But there's, there's still many others they had. But Here's to the Night's great song. I love that one. And, um, and Promise is also really good. So I'm like, hey, just 
you know, he's this this guy who is like leans lefty for some reason. I say I, I emailed them like would love to have you on the show. They just ignore it. I think they know they know it's a grift and a con. And if they actually come on, this is what will happen. And then you have people like, uh, well, some of these other commentators whose name I won't I won't mention because they they want the attention. They want the drama. All they do is make drama videos. Shout out to the Young Turks. So much drama. I wonder why their live stream of the midterm coverage did so poorly relative to everybody else. It's because, dude, nobody tunes into your show. Nobody wants to tune into a show so that they can uh, uh, hear people argue about other people. We want to know about what's going on in the world and how it's affecting our lives. But sure, by all means, do the drama stuff. Have fun. We'll grab a couple more here and then uh, uh, we'll call it. Craig DeHunter says, yo, Tim, it's World War Three calling. I hear. Yep, I hear. All right. Palmer Wood says the pictures that have come out from Poland look like mangled rail lines. Supports your theory about cutting off supply lines. And I did say this a while ago. I said if Russia does strike in Poland, it will be to cut off supplies heading into Ukraine. So, man, I hope not. I hope not, man. I don't know. Odra Noel Zenitrim says it was an S-300, not a Russian missile. It was Ukrainian used for anti-air could have gone astray. Possibly. We, I, I don't know. And I will tell you this. If something like that did happen, of course they would use it for their own benefit. Shout out to Adrienne Curry, who tweeted, no World War Three. Did we just lose it because it just auto loaded? We had a tweet from Adrienne. Um, big fan. She's always here in the Timcast IRL chat. She said no to World War Three. I don't want to die in World War Three. Yes, would like that. AP reporting missile strike. So, uh, hey, man, here we go. I don't know. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to be live tonight at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Check it out. Of course, we're going to be covering Donald Trump's major announcement. Should be should be real good fun. And um, of course, we'll be talking about any developments on this. Pay attention. If this turns out to be nothing, y'all are fine. If it turns out to be a dramatic escalation, you will be happy to have heard about it now. What you can do right now is calmly And uh, first of all, here's what I hope. Assume this is nothing and assume I shouldn't. I, you know, Tim, oh, you're crazy. You're okay. Then calmly go to the store, pick up some canned goods or whatever. Fill up your gas tank, go home and go back about your business or go to work. The best thing you can do right now politically with with the midterms is protect your family, make money, succeed, invest in the good things, protect your children, have children. Then in the long run, win. So long as you focus on yourself and building up, the investment is in the people. Do that now. And if this turns into something greater, then you will be prepared. CNN breaking news. Two people have reportedly been killed in missiles or rockets in Poland as a wave of Russian strikes at Western Ukraine. The origin of the projectiles is unclear. It may be correct that uh, someone said they were uh, Ukrainian missiles that went astray. Brandon Lesko says S-300 missiles can't hit ground targets, but they can fall out of the sky. So we'll see, man. All right. I don't know. I hope we're okay. Make sure you've done everything right by your families to the best of your abilities, your friends, your families. Of course, there's always safeandreadymeals.com, which I shout out periodically. It's uh, emergency food supplies. This is not a scheduled sponsor spot or anything like that. But I just want to mention, you know, um, take care of yourself. Make sure, uh, this is why I'm like, get out of cities. 
Do what you think is right by you. Make the assessment you think is correct uh, based on this information. It may result in nothing. The best I can say to all of you is be ahead of the curve. That's it. Know this stuff is coming out in the news. Just be ahead of the curve. And I'll, and I'll, leave, it th- I'll, I'll leave it there. Head over to TimCast.com. Become a member for our Uncensored Members Only segments and support our work. Smash the like button right now. Your super chats are greatly appreciated. And of course, in about seven minutes, Pop Culture Crisis will be live on YouTube. So if you guys want to hang out uh, and still keep the conversation going, over at TimCast.com at 3 p.m., we host Pop Culture Crisis live show. It's not political at all, so they're not going to be talking about a lot of this stuff. But if you want to hang out with the, uh, the, the, the crew over from Pop Culture Crisis, one of our, our shows, they will be live in just about seven minutes. So uh, stay, safe, stay safe, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this one. Really do appreciate all of you tuning in. Smash the like button. And we will see you all tonight at YouTube.com slash TimCastIRL. Thanks for hanging out. Last night, around 8.50 p.m., The Arizona governor's race was called for Katie Hobbs. Right now on Twitter, do not concede is trending. And so far, the only thing we've heard from Carrie Lake on Twitter is Arizonans no BS when they see it. Actually, let me uh, let me pull it up for you. Arizonans no BS when they see it. Of course, many people are upset. Many people are outraged. But let's take a look at the data. And uh, take a look at some of the things that have people scratching their heads. But I'll start off right away by saying it makes sense. It's, it, it makes sense because Democrats have been playing the mail-in voting and ballot harvesting game, and that caught Republicans off guard. Surprise, midterm day rolls around, and you're sitting there going, wait, h- how did this happen? Ah, uh, yes. While we were all sitting here saying facts and logic and the, the economy is bad and saying these things that represent life not being good and representing things that can be done to make things better. Democrats were sitting back and laughing, saying, you think that's what elections are about? In fact, that's literally what they said to me on Twitter when I said that it's not about how people feel. It's about how a vote gets cast. They said, yup. Did you think that wasn't the case? Surprise, surprise. Either way, I'll put it this way. You know, I I think I saw this tweet from Mike Cernovich. If we did not have those polls swing at the last minute, this would be victory celebrations across the board. We're looking at House majority for Republicans by one or two seats, by I think about two seats. And it would have ended the night with Trump's endorsements having been victorious People would have said it was a hard fought battle against the, the establishment machine, but MAGA pulled through. That's the, that, that would have been the narrative. Instead, everybody thought there was going to be this grand red wave because the media set you up and then you fell down on your face. And I get it. A lot of people wanted revenge. But until universal mail-in voting uh, changes, Democrats will continue to go for low information and what did someone call it? Low propensity voters. And they'll find a way to get those votes because that's all that matters in the end. You know, I think of it like a financial transaction. It doesn't matter whether you're investing in a product that actually works really well. It matters if the company has the ability to sell that product. If you come up with a really, really great idea for a machine, I mean, I'll tell you this, Google Glass, I thought was actually pretty useful, pretty handy. And, uh, they just really could not pull it off. They, they couldn't pull it off. The marketing wasn't there. At first, they had the cool factor, and they didn't. 
if Republicans think they're going to win based off of feelings, and that's and, that, and that's funny considering the facts don't care about your feeling context. But the way people feel, if you think that's going to result in them voting for you, you're wrong. All that matters is that you go knock on a door and you get someone to fill out a ballot. But here's what I think about Arizona. And we'll read this. Um, Arizona is where the Californians fled. Florida is where the Republicans fled. So how about that? Now, a lot of Republicans did flee to Arizona, but we'll, we'll talk about the cultural shift because I think, you know, I'm not surprised about this because we did talk about it several months ago that Californians were fleeing the lockdowns to Arizona and it was going to turn the state blue. A lot of people were saying this, but let me show you some of the, the weirdness because it's going to have you scratching your head and I'll, and I'll leave it at that. But here's a story from BBC. I mean, it's, it's actually quite simple. They say, in her victory statement, Katie Hobbs said that in this moment of division, she would work for everyone in the state. Ms. Lake appeared to suggest that the result was incorrect and that some votes for her had not been counted. Elsewhere, almost a week after votes were cast, the race to control the House of Representatives remains tight. Republicans must win at least 218 seats to claim victory in the House. The party has currently won 215, according to CBS, blah, blah, blah. You get the point. Miss Lake, who was endorsed by Trump, told the BBC during campaigning the former president would not need to run again in 2024 because he won the last election. She predicted he would come back with a vengeance. Sorry, Carrie, I completely disagree. And I think that's wrong. And I think it is just so mind numbingly. I don't know. It's mind numbing. It's 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 mind boggling that um, there's a lot of people who are now tweeting at me, uh, uh, commenting and it's just, it's just, you know what, then, then maybe you guys deserve to lose. I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't know what to say. Somebody commented that if Tim doesn't acknowledge that uh, there's fraud or cheating or whatever, then I must be a fed or controlled opposition. And I'm like, fine, then, dude, you deserve to lose if that's the world you want to live in. I'm not, I'm not here to, fa- to, to, to play into the, the, the mistakes that result in losses. When people come out and say they're not going to vote anymore because what's the point? That's that's the goal. Those people claiming that it's rigged and you can't win are likely Democrats trying to get you to give up. And not all of them. No, I know for for sure a lot of Republicans outright believe that there was mass fraud. But let me just explain to you guys. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S.? With more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S., they have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, They offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. In 2020, I was saying universal mail-in voting is a death knell for Republicans. I said, mom is going to get their kids in and they're going to, and they're going to, and she's going to get the kids to vote. I've been saying that nonstop. I've been screaming to the high heavens. 
people have come back and said, no, Tim, you're wrong. The kids are going to get their parents to vote in their direction. And we've actually seen stories of that, too. Some old guy being like, you know, my daughter came to me and she said, I can't I can't uh, uh, support you or, or, or uh, respect you if you vote Republican. So, you know, I, I did rep on my daughter. It's her world. I've seen those two. Now, is there impropriety? Of course, there's always impropriety. But this is what happened. It happened right in front of your face. Pennsylvania introduced unconstitutionally, in my opinion, universal mail-in voting. And that is what is being used across the board, across the board. Right now, they're saying that Lauren Boebert is going to lose because they're going to cure ballots. You can't cure fraudulent ballots. You can cure low propensity voter ballots who filled it out like garbage. You call them up on the phone. Turns out it's a real person. People are wondering how it is that these late ballots come in and end up favoring the Democrats. Well, look, universal mail-in voting. Now, I think it's fair to say that there are many people who didn't like Carrie Lake's style of politics. But I think in any election, if, if, this, if the election rules were the same as Florida, Carrie Lake would have won handily. But Arizona is a disaster zone of, of mail-in ballot garbage, long lines, broken machines. So I will say this. You wonder why it is that the, 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 that Katie Hobbs wins? It's not just universal mail-in voting, but that is a role. But it's, it's, it's compounded by the fact that uh, voting machines were busted up. And people who were trying to vote couldn't, so there were long lines. Some people walked away. Now, I know you, diehard conservative voter who believes in fighting for something good, did not walk away. But there were conservative low-propensity voters who did. There are Republicans who don't really know all that much about politics, but they vote Republican every time. And they were standing in line and they're like, what's going on? And then everyone said, don't get out of line. Like, I, look, I got to get to work. I'm, I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I don't care. That's who you lost. With universal mail-in voting, the Democrats lost no one. When they could not, when, when someone filled out a ballot incorrectly, they said, we can't count it. The signature is bad. The date's bad. They said, don't worry. We'll call that person. When someone walked out of line and walked away, they can't call that person. Now, by all means, you can call that rigging or cheating, but it is strategy within the lines of the legal vote process. You may say, yeah, but that vote process is wrong and it's, cor it's corrupt. Perhaps, uh, perhaps it should not be that way, but it is what is legal and in the rules. And when they try suing over this, they say those are ballots from real people. Now, in Pennsylvania, it was interesting because they actually have provisions in their constitution saying, hey, you can't do this. But the Supreme Court being Democrat said, sure, you can. So there you go. I'll put it this way. Well, let me, let me say one more thing, because, you know, I know a lot of people are going to get mad. And they're going to want to demand you call it fraud. It's just so frustrating. It, it's not productive. It is voter suppressing. It convinces people not to vote. When Trump lost in 2020, and I said, there it is, Biden won. The narrative was China, Venezuela, um, fake ballots. Trump had secretly watermarked the ballots. They were going to find out in a moment's notice. Trump was going to be reinstated. None of it happened. I said, guys, that's insane. The narrative then started to shift a little bit. Now people were saying people in different states were voting twice. They were driving around the country and voting. And these we're going to find out when we audit these ballots, we're going to find duplicates. And then there was an audit. And then where is it? Where's where, where, where is any of that? No, I saw it. I've had these people on my show and they did. 
the Arizona audit people are like, why aren't you going to talk about it, Tim? Why aren't you going to talk about it? And I'm like, because we did. Everything they came out with, we had on the show like five times. And I'm like, where's the, the proof of, of, of this stuff? There's certainly questions. Don't get me wrong. But after all the audits and everything, we couldn't get anything done. And I kept saying consistently, universal mail-in voting. They're, 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 they're changing the rules. When we, when we had right after the election in Texas, filing a lawsuit against Pennsylvania, I said, this is it. It's the procedure. It's the policy. It was mail-in voting. In Pennsylvania, a lower court ruled it unconstitutional. I said, that's how they do it. They go door to door and it's not even ballot harvesting. They say, did you fill that out? Just fill it out. Just once you, you have a seat, fill it out. And the person does. Now, I'm sure there are circumstances where people are playing dirty games like here's five bucks, fill it out. But all that matters is that's impossible to prove. We do have a whistleblower in Florida, but in Florida, DeSantis wins by 20 points. Demographics plays a role. Republicans fled to Florida. Democrats fled to, to Arizona. You see this stuff. Florida made universal mail-in vote, got rid of universal mail-in voting, had mail-in voting. They made it harder, more secure. And harder is the right direction. They'll try and convince you when Republicans are making it harder to vote, that's a bad thing. That's not the case. We want people of responsibility and sound mind to be the ones voting, not low propensity voters who are just. In 2020, I was screaming about that. A month later, all of a sudden what happens is the fraud narrative starts to come down, starts to come way, way down from Venezuela, satellite servers, Dominion and all this crazy stuff. Even Fox News got sued. They were talking about it. I never talked about that stuff. Or I always thought it was just too absurd. But universal mail-in voting and ballot harvesting, that was obvious. And then a few months ago, we came to the narrative. The narrative came all the way down to ballot harvesting. And then all of a sudden, people are like, Tim's now coming around on the fraud narrative. And I'm like, Wait, what? Ballot harvesting isn't fraud. Now, you can argue that there's some fraudulent ballot harvesting for sure, like in Florida. But it's legal, man. It's, it's so simple. It really is. Because I've worked for these nonprofits. They get on the phone nonstop, 24 hours a day. Did you fill out your ballot? Did you fill out your ballot? Did you fill out your ballot? Then they go knock on the doors. Did you fill out your ballot? Did you fill out your ballot? That's not illegal. They ran, uh, uh, it's an end run around, uh, uh, they, they ran circles around the Republicans who thought they were going to win on the merits. Take a look at this. And, 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 and I won't sit here and tell you there's not weird things. Kyle Becker says, Arizona, here's what a state election that makes no sense looks like. I absolutely love this picture. Mark Kelly with 1.2 million votes wins against Blake Masters with 1.1. Katie Hobbs with 1.23 defeats Carrie Lake with 1.2. And don't get me wrong, dude, I'm a huge Carrie Lake fan. She's incredible. I want to see her, um, you know, keep pushing. Then we have Secretary of State Adrian Fontes with 1.26 million votes to Mark Fincham's 1.13. For the Attorney General, Chris Mays, 1.19 million votes to uh, uh, Abraham Hamaday, 1.185. At the bottom, I'm skipping over this next one. Superintendent of Public Instruction with 1.19 wins against Tom Horn with 1.18. That was a close one. But then you just have State Treasurer. Just very weird. uh, Kimberly Yee, with 1.3 million votes to Martin Quisada, 1.05. Wait, wait, uh, hold on. She's a Republican. Kimberly Yee is the one Republican standout 
with 1.3 million votes. And a lot of people were like, hold on there a minute. The Republican state treasurer of all people gets 1.3 million votes. Here's what I think is funny. Kyle Becker says, here's what a state election that makes no sense looks like. Yeah, but to be honest, if the outlier is the Republican and no other Republican got that many votes, it doesn't it's not a dig against the Democrats It's a dig against the Republican. Like, how did a Republican get state treasurer get more votes than the governor? I don't know. Some have argued that uh, Kimberly is just extremely popular. She's a well-known personality who's been in Arizona for a very, very long time. And people really, really do like the job that she does. You can argue that, man, but I still got to say, I just think it's weird. Come on. No matter how popular your state treasurer is, to get more votes than even the Democrats who won? I'm sorry. I just find the whole thing weird. I don't know what it means. Because what, what is the argument? That uh, votes were stolen from Republicans or something? I don't know. I will tell you. There is one potentiality, uh, potentiality here that you should pay attention to, and that is ballot adjudication, which is why Carrie Lake must sue. And I don't know exactly how they do it in Arizona. They may not. But ballot adjudication is when they're counting ballots and they can't quite figure out what it is. They decide who the per- person voted for. Uh-huh. That's right. Your ballot may look confusing. And so a group of people look at it and say, that's a vote for this person. And they go, okay, okay. Maybe they didn't adjudicate state treasurer because nobody really cared. It wasn't a priority for Democrats to win that position. Let me explain. U.S. Senator, why does that matter? For obvious reasons. They're going to the U.S. Senate. That's with Biden. That's the top tier. That's national level politics. They need that vote. Katie Hobbs, the governor. Of course they need that. The executive, the highest position in the state. Secretary of State. Ooh, that one's important. They control elections. So, hey, he got 52.6%. Attorney General. Chris Mays, why does that one matter? Well, of course. That's that's the person in charge of law and order. Superintendent of public instruction. Oh, come on. That's obvious. The school is where they get your kids. State treasurer. Oh, we don't care about that one. Come on. Why would state treasurer matter? That doesn't matter to them. So, this is interesting. Kimberly Yee leading by 257,000 votes. Everything else was marginal. I mean, Secretary of State was 127. U.S. Senator was 132. But what I'm saying is there's a possibility, and again, legal process, that the Democrats were hell-bent on these races winning. And so when it came to counting those ballots that didn't get counted properly or universal mail-in ballots that didn't go through machines, what happens? They adjudicate and they always press Democrat except where it doesn't matter. State treasurer. They're not going to sit there and be like, we better make sure we win state treasurer. All these other ones. You can think of a reason why they Democrats desperately wanted that position. And state treasurer probably was in the back of their mind. I don't know. What do I care about that for? It's a weird argument to say. And again, I've heard people say that she's very popular and that's why she won. But here we are, my friends. Liz Cheney, whose three Democratic endorsees won their races, takes a dig at election denier Carrie Lake after Arizona defeat. Election denier. I love how they say that over and over again. Sure, Carrie Lake is just as bad as Hillary Clinton in terms of election denying. They're on par, aren't they? Again, I'm a fan of Carrie Lake. I think she was the better, the better candidate who actually campaigned and spoke to issues that Americans care about, and especially went after the machine for which she was a part of, the, 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 the narrative machine. 
So we'll, we'll, I, I say to, to Kerry, do not concede. File a lawsuit, demand a recount, all that stuff. And we need to start going through uh, uh, these ballots because it may turn out that there was a lot of adjudication and that could change things. Um, but again, again, I don't know if uh, how Arizona handles that stuff. I don't know if they do adjudication like uh, other places do. All I'm going to say is it ain't over. Just because they say now they're projecting, they're calling it for Katie Hobbs, does not mean it's over. And simply put, with, the, uh, with this vote count, uh, it's, it's close. And uh, we want to make sure every legal vote counts, right, Democrats? Sure. So let's make sure we do. And let's go through that process. With Carrie Lake now down by 29,048, that is just about 1.2%. I think we should have a, a, a recount. Absolutely. And um, I think I think there's a silver lining. This defeat, not just in Arizona, but in many places that people think Republicans should have done better. It's uh, sort of been a slap in the face. You can see now that voter turnout was fifty nine point four three percent. Republicans, you could have won this one, but you needed a massive ballot harvesting operation that you did not have. Now, you can argue it's not legal in Arizona, but it's not about taking ballots from people. It's about knocking on doors. The Democrats organize better than Republicans. If Republicans had actually swept, they probably would have lost 2024. But with this and now the problem being highlighted for everyone to see, there's a, there's a fighting chance for 2024. Tonight, it is believed that Donald Trump is going to announce he is running for president. And boy, am I excited for this one. Ooh, we're going to be live on Timcast IRL when that happens. Oh, boy. Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen. You know, the first time Donald Trump ran, I was on the ground covering the rallies where people were being mercilessly beaten. The second time, I was mostly doing uh, commentary and we were doing Timcast IRL. And here we go again. A Trump campaign is a sight to see. But uh, you know what? I'm glad Ron DeSantis is here. In 2016, Donald Trump was fire on stage saying things to Hillary Clinton that really, really just oof put her down. Dave Chappelle outlined it this weekend. It was amazing. Trump came out and said, all that stuff you think we're doing, we're doing it. And she'll never change it because her friends benefit from it. Wow. It's a bold thing to say from Dave Chappelle right before Trump announces. But I don't know if Trump's got his mojo. 2020, he was really just not that strong. Not that strong. Maybe he's fired up. Maybe he's been getting IV uh, NAD treatments and youth serums. He's been uh, taking alpha brain or whatever that Joe, Joe Rogan stuff is. He's been uh, dropping weight, gearing up and getting ready for a real fight. This is going to be interesting. Where Trump does best in the in the fray with Ron DeSantis there, he's going to force Trump to remain to, to be sharper. And if Ron DeSantis doesn't win the primary, good. If Trump doesn't win the primary, honestly, good. Whoever wins should win and should have the ability to win. And DeSantis is polling very, very well. Can Trump handle somebody who is so effective on policy? This is fantastic. Both men are going to make each other stronger candidates. Ron DeSantis, proven track record, proven victories, tactful, good policy. Donald Trump, powerful commanding and charismatic, imposing figure. If Ron DeSantis cannot defeat Trump on the merits, he shouldn't. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be the nominee. If Trump 
can't defeat DeSantis on strong policy positions and successes. He shouldn't. This is fantastic. It's great news for Republicans. Democrats got nobody. So this should be really interesting. Biden again? We will see, my friends. I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up on this channel at 1 p.m. And uh, thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. Wakanda forever apparently got woke and went broke, but probably not. Or maybe I honestly can't tell. But the Washington Post has written is Wakanda forever too woke for Marvel's own good. Okay, well, it depends on what you mean by woke. But I will say this. For those of you that have not seen this movie and want to, uh, there's going to be spoilers in this segment because let me just stress, it has to be one of the most racist movies I have ever seen. And um, you know what I love about it is that they try so hard to make what they claim to be diverse and worldly content, they end up creating the paramount of racial stereotypes. But my friends, I must stress I am actually convinced that in the production of Wakanda Forever was the intent to be explicitly racist towards Mexicans. Okay, Mexicans and nationality, but mestizos, how about that? Or indigenous Central Americans, Mayans, Aztec, whatever. And I do think there are several racist things about uh, Wakanda. And we saw this in the first movie. But what's what's funny to see is I can't tell if they're trying to. It's funny when we were leaving the movie theater, I'm going to save the explanation for the extremely racist component. But uh, for those of you that didn't see the movie and don't care, you wait till you hear this. I'm also willing to bet there are a lot of people who watched the movie and didn't really make the connection of the overtly and insanely racist component of this of this movie. But I love it. I love it because um, and I mean that like. The circumstance, not the movie itself. I think the racism was just disgusting. But, you know, I'm not one to be like, ban the movie because they're racist. I just laugh at either they're trying really, really hard to be woke. So they're creating these characters that are racist stereotypes, whatever. And then the the left loves it. Or they're intentionally insulting black people and Mexican people and making the woke people pay for it. So here's what I end up seeing. I see this post on the Washington, the story from the Washington Post from a few days ago is Wakanda forever too woke for for Marvel's own good. Oh, boy, I really wanted to talk about this one, but I had to wait a little bit because I'm going to have spoilers in this. Take a look at this from The Hollywood Reporter. Black Panther Wakanda forever commands huge one hundred eighty one million dollar U.S. opening three hundred thirty one million dollars globally. The Marvel Studios sequel hunted down the biggest November launch of all time at the domestic box office. Elsewhere, Steven Spielberg's Oscar contender, The Fablemans, opened to strong numbers in New York in L.A. Well, just there, I guess. So what do you see? With the first Black Panther movie, I thought it was actually very based. Um, a lot of people said it was woke. And you know what I don't like? It's like predictable. So they, they the, the, the Disney and Marvel or whatever, they come out and they say Black Panther is going to be, you know, this, this movie based in, in Wakanda. Then woke activists say it's so diverse. And then conservatives are like, the cast is nearly all black. It's not diverse. It's still racially homogenous. And then you end up seeing a bunch of these conservative personalities say things like, we get it. The movie hates white people. The movie is woke. The movie hates men. And I'm like, uh, bu- 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 bu. what? I didn't get any of that from the first 
from the first Black Panther or the second one. I actually thought the first one made some interesting points about these ideologies of closed border ethnic homogeneity versus expansionist ethnic supremacy. I thought the first Black Panther was great. I think the story in Wakanda Forever is also very good, but there is just like extremely racist components to the story. If you were to strip those racist components out, I thought it was actually interesting. So again, forgive me for those that just want me to jump to the part that was overtly racist. I don't want to outright spoil it. I want to make sure people have warning. So in about 30 seconds to a minute, I will explain the worst part of the movie. That being said, the character of Namor, his, he's not Namor anymore. He's Namor. Uh, I thought he was great, um, except for the racism. But I thought the character uh, was a C minus. They could have done a better job with explaining his motivations instead of just making him this like evil guy for no reason. But in terms of his character, his abilities and the weirdness of it, I loved it. So Namor, I'm sorry, Namor. There's there's spoilers to explain why. But in uh, uh, in the movie, he's got wings on his feet. And that's actually something Namor in the comics actually had. So when he's fighting out of water, the flight was really cool. He's like darting back and forth super fast. And I thought it was awesome. He's a very powerful character hidden beneath the depths, hiding from the world. And I really, really enjoyed the invasion uh, uh, scene. Now, that's not a spoiler because that's actually in the trailer. You see the the uh, what are they called? Like Tala Kanil or whatever other character. They're, they're um, water people. You actually see them walking into Wakanda in a fight. So not not a spoiler there. But now let me get into the big spoiler and then talk about why they think the movie is too woke when in fact it's not. First, let me say in the first Black Panther, T'Challa, the Black Panther himself, was uh, he believed in closed borders, Wakanda first policy. And he outright said, if you open the borders up, the people will bring their problems here. It may have been him or someone else, but he was a patriarchal ruler. He was a monarch who solidifies his position in ritual combat with only the approved bloodlines. Really incredible stuff. Not woke. We're supposed to celebrate a nation where its ruler is chosen by one of a set number of bloodlines who battle and it can only be men. Okay. And of course, there's a queen and there's a princess, but the men fight to be king. So it's a patriarchal monarchy with ritual combat to decide which family line rules. And it's always the Black Panther, I guess. But he like he like depowers himself or something, I guess. And um, he's in uh, Wakanda first closed borders. A lot of people were like, it's really interesting to have him be the hero. Sounds very MAGA. The villain Killmonger wanted to arm black people all around the world with vibranium weapons so that they could take over their countries and be racial supremacists. Interesting premise. I really, I genuinely enjoyed it. I don't think it was overtly racist. I think it was uh, it was politically uh, it, it, like Killmonger, the bad guy was. But T'Challa was like, no, we don't want to do that. That's bad. I bring you now to Wakanda forever. And the, the, the racist component, I've warned you, there are spoilers. The villain of the movie is Kukulkan, is what uh, Mbaka calls him. Kuk, uh, it's, it's like Kukulkan or, or whatever. It depends on, you know, whoever's saying it properly. I don't know. Kukulkan or Kukulkan. <clears throat> and it means it's like this, the feathered serpent god. And he goes, but my enemies call me Namor. And it's because... Uh, when he was a small child, 
his when he was pre- when his mom was pregnant with him, they uh, were, were being they were dying from disease. And so this shaman finds this vibranium enriched plant, much like the Wakandans found that gave them superpowers. They make a tea. They all drank it. And then, oh, no, they turn blue and they can't breathe and they get gills. OK, I guess. So they go live in the water. Lady was pregnant, though. So the baby only got a little bit and is born a hybrid mutant. They explicitly say mutant. He's born and he's got wings on his feet. So they call him Kukul Khan. They're like, he's a god or whatever. He has the ability to breathe on land. The other guys don't. They need to breathe water and he can go in water. And they explain that he's able to because of skin diffusion. That's right. His skin absorbs oxygen from the water, meaning that when he's underwater, he breathes just fine. But when he goes out into the air, he can breathe. But also the water on his skin is providing with oxygen, making him really fast and really strong. Here's the best part. Wakanda with their great wall. They have a great wall technology. Somehow one day, for some reason, Kukul Khan is able to breach this great nation that believes in closed borders and not sharing their weapons with the world. That's how the movie starts. They go to a UN meeting and the Queen, Queen Ramonda, I think her name is, because the king's dead and T'Challa dies. She's like, do not think we are weak. And they're like, you must share vibranium with the world. And she goes, no. And then they storm out all like, you know, we're our own country, closed borders. The strongest, most powerful nation in the world. Really, it feels like um, uh, uh, an an allusion to the U.S. in many ways. And then uh, one day, Kukul Khan breaches Wakanda. But how? Well, let me ask you this question first. What is, uh, uh, and and I I am deeply perturbed by this, a racist slur for an illegal immigrant crossing into these United States. I'm not going to say it, but it has something to do with being wet. And you know what I'm talking about. The trope of these individuals crossing the river, soaking wet and rising up to breach this great nation, the most technologically advanced or whatever you want to call it the most powerful nation on the planet, the United States. And that's what Queen Ramona says. I am the queen of the most powerful nation in the world. But one day, a Mexican man crosses their river and enters their country. Now, you may be saying, okay, yeah, but it's Namor, right? It's Namor. He's he's a water guy. How do they defeat Namor? They must dry his back off. I couldn't believe it when I was watching this. It is, they discover... They figure out, they're like, how is he so powerful? It's because his, his back is wet. Okay, um, it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but I'll explain. It's because he's wet himself and his skin absorbs oxygen out of the water through diffusion while breathing. So he's got seemingly this, this endless stamina. They're like, he goes in the water and when he comes out, he's very strong. We need to dry him off. Here's how they end the fight. They trap Namor, I'll explain that in a second, in a ship with evaporators to dry his skin off because he's a Mexican who's wet, who was able to breach Wakanda by crossing their river. That's literally the movie. And so they're drying him off and he's going, uh, oh, what's happening? Uh. And so then he tries to break out of the ship. She goes, quick, we must get him to the desert. And they fly him to the desert. I'm not kidding with this. They crash. 
And then they're fighting and Shuri is the Black Panther or whatever, you know, because she was able to synthesize this thing, you know, uh, whatever. They're fighting and he he's winning. Namor is winning. Despite the fact she was trying to dry him off. And then seemingly when all is lost, Shuri jumps over this Mexican man, literally from the from from Yucatan, Mexico, from uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, I think it's Honduras. I could be wrong. Um, so may, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm too much in saying Mexican, but he's a, a, a conglomeration of Aztec, Mayan and Central American mythologies. So he's very much like Central American. Let's put it that way. She jumps over him and he's going water. And then she presses a button and jets hit the back of Nemour burning and drying him off. And then he goes, ah, and then he collapses. Okay, okay. I know. I know. She burned him with fire. But the fact that they said we need to dry him off to defeat him. And then ultimately she fires this, this thing, this, this jet, which shows his back singeing with steam coming off. I was just like, you mean to tell me that the villain is a Central American guy who breaches the most powerful nation in the world by crossing its river, crossing, uh, crossing its river. And they're like, how did he do it? How could he have possibly gotten into our country? And then it turns out that it's his power comes from being wet and they have to dry him off. And, I, and, and we were all just laughing at the end of this movie. Like, are you kidding? That's what they went for? Whatever, man. A bunch of people were like, no, no, no. The, the, the you know, Mexican people, the Central Americans, they thought it was really great. It was a great representation. And I'm like, maybe people in Honduras and Nicaragua and Central America, whatever, don't understand the slur and what it means. Specifically, when you see Mexican, Honduran, Central American people crossing the Rio Grande, carrying their, carrying their stuff, and they rise out of the water dripping wet. They actually have the scene where he comes out of the water and he's soaking wet. These are Central Americans who get past Wakanda's fortification, their great barrier, by going through the river. And his power is taken from him when they dry him off. Okay, dude. There's a couple other really racist things in it. Like when the, when the ship is returning to Wakanda, there's Wakandans. These are black men. And they see the ship coming, so they pull out wooden drums and start banging on drums, with, just like that. I'm not kidding. And it opens the force field, and I'm just like, wait, 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 hold on. The Wakandans have to play drums to open a door, to open the force field? Come on, man. They have buttons. They know how to, like, they have machines, for what reason do they depict the most advanced country on earth as being like, I know to open this, we'll bang drums. Look, I get it. Drums are used in ceremonies. We have drums too. But imagine if it was like a white dude, and he saw someone coming and he pulled out a guitar and went like, you'd be like, what are they doing? That's like the weirdest thing ever. But they have them like banging drums to control this stuff. I'm like, oh man, it's just, there's a bunch of other stuff in the movie that I felt was really rushed. Riri Williams is in it. She's Ironheart. And it was just like, why is she in it? The reason why the, the, the Mayan people show up to Wakanda also makes no sense. The story is basically that Riri, they, don't, they reveal this later on, but a scientist creates vibranium detection technology. The U.S. finds vibranium in the ocean. And uh, the, the uh, Talokanil, or whatever they're called, from Talokan, 
The Mayan people are like, oh, no, we've been discovered. So they kill all these people. Then Kukul Khan Namor goes to Wakanda and says, you need to bring us the scientists who invented this technology because it's your fault. They know it exists, which is really, really dumb because it's not true and it made no sense. But whatever. Now, why is he called Namor? It's because his mom gives birth to him. He's a mutant. The these people, the Mayan people underwater, their skin looks normal. When they leave, they turn blue and they have to breathe water through gills on their mouth and neck or whatever. And uh, when his mom's dying, she says, please, my son, bury me in the land of my home. She misses living on land and they're sad that they have to live in the water now. And when he goes up, he finds that Spanish conquistadors were mercilessly beating, beating and enslaving his people. Him being a mutant, like literal, like X-Men style mutant, like, you know, that's what they say. He can fly super strong and he's 500 years old. At this point, he's a little kid. And so he ends up killing all the conquistadors. And then this has to be one of the stupidest bits of writing ever. There's like a, a priest, a Spanish priest, and he says something like, you are a child with no love. And then he's like, and that's when I decided to call myself Namor for like no love, like no amor, like get it, Namor. And it's just like, ah, oh, geez, they really do that. Sure. Whatever, man. I think they did uh, Namor dirty, but I really thought the fight scenes were really, really cool. I know I'm supposed to read this article from The Washington Post, but I was just so excited to talk about it. And I'm seeing these people come out and say, like, the representation of the uh, Central American cultures is just very, very, uh, it's great. They're saying it's too woke. You know what? I agree. In their effort to create this, this like amalgam of Central American and black cultures, they created a movie about black people fighting Mexican people. I know it's not really Mexican, but Mayan, Central American types. And they used a bunch of ridiculous stereotypes to do it. It's just weird. It's just weird. So maybe. It is too woke for some. I mean, that's not what they're saying. They're saying like the numbers are down and that it's creative and artistically bankrupt and it's too woke, too diverse or too woke for its own good. Sure. In the sense that they've gone so far left with the race stuff, they've actually created a, a, a show about two different races fighting each other and they hammed up the racial stereotypes. OK, look, if you get rid of that stuff, I thought the movie was enjoyable. But they have a lot of really missed opportunities. And I see this all the time with modern Marvel movies. And it's probably because Kevin Feige is spread too thin. But uh, there's a scene where Shuri and Ruby Williams are effectively held captive by uh, the, the Telekineal, what they're called, I guess, the, the, the Mayan fish people. And they're trapped in a cave and they're trying to escape. And I was like, this is it. This is the perfect moment to introduce Ironheart. Here's what they should. Ironheart, for those unfamiliar, is like Iron Man, but it's a young black woman. And so what they should have done is that Kugel Khan, he says this scientist can detect vibranium and it puts us at risk. She has to be killed. They capture her. Shuri demands to be taken to Kugel Khan Namor. When they're there, what should have happened is uh, Namor should have said, you will construct for me this machine that can detect vibranium. I will use that to empower my people and stop anyone else from finding it. The point was that vibranium was either in Wakanda or underwater. It should have been that Google Khan says, if we can find all the vibranium, we can reach it underwater because we are water people. We can stop anyone else from getting it, keep our people safe, and then use that power to conquer the world or something like that. He should have then had Riri Williams start building the machine. But 
like Iron Man, she ends up making a weapon to escape with. That would have been an, a very, very cool homage to the first Iron Man movie. And it would have, I would have been like, oh, I see what they did there. That's really cool. But what they really did was just Riri appears, already has an Iron Man suit for some reason, and flies around with it. And it's like, okay. And then they capture her. And then an assassin saves them or something. And I'm just like, okay, I guess. I thought it would have been cool if Riri was like, I'll build your machine, and then these people are watching, but what she's really building is like a repulsor cannon, an arc reactor, and then that would have shown, like they could have then used that moment to explain that she is like Tony Stark, resourceful, smart, adaptive. That would have been cool. They didn't do it, but whatever. You know, that's just me. I'd have done it very differently. I'd also say that I would not include the racist stereotypes if it were, uh, if it were me. But uh, they went ahead and did that. So uh, sure, I guess. If that's what you really want to do, go ahead and do it. But I love how they're saying that it's racist. They're saying, look at this one, the Mary Sue. Marvel trailer reactions raise the same issues of indigenous erasure as real world political scandal. Okay, dude, they're never satisfied. But here's the point I was talking about. The scene where the Central American guy is rising from the water as he invades Wakanda. I was just, and it's not the first time he does it several times. He does it several times. The first time he breaks in, they're like, how did he get in? And they're like, through the water. You mean this? And then Mbaka's like, this man swam. Or, I, it might not have been Mbaka. Somebody's like, he swam hundreds of, of kilometer or meters through the water. And they're like, yes. It's like, oh, man. A super-powered Mexican guy who's able to breach the most powerful nation on the planet by swimming through the river. And it's just like, did they not stop and think about that? And then after that, it's like, how do we defeat him? We dry him off. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Whatever, man. They're the woke ones, not me. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. Uh, over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Policy Genius is the country's leading online insurance marketplace. It saves you time and money so you can provide your family with a financial safety net starting today. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius helps you compare your options from top companies. And their team of licensed experts is on hand to help you talk through it. Talk to a team of award-winning agents who will walk you through the process step-by-step. Step. Easily compare quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Your work-life insurance policy may not offer enough protection for your family's needs. Even worse, it may not come with you if you leave your job. Policy Genius gives you unbiased advice from a licensed expert support team. They have no incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Thousands of five-star reviews on Google and Trustpilot from customers who found the best fit for their needs. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com.